Hello Life Changes Church, we are in our Move Again series as we look through the book of Exodus and how God took the Israelites out of slavery through the wilderness and into his promises. So why don't you grab a notebook and pen and enjoy this sermon. My name is Gabe Phillips, if we have not met, and I get to be one of the pastors here, married to the beautiful Fiona, who's with all the other mums in the mums room, a shout out to all of them. Hello mums in the mums room, nice to see you all there. I've got a few gripes I'd like to get off my chest if that's all right. This is my weekly gripe session. I've been struggling to, I've just got, I don't know if it's that time, I've hit the mid-30s and if I'm like, my mind's slowly going, but I'm starting to lose my phone a lot. I don't know where it is. I spend a lot, large portion of my time looking for my phone. Where did I place it? And it's, and, and even when I do find it, it always seems when I need it, it's losing charge. It's like, there's, it's just about battery low, 20%. Is there anyone else there around me? You know? yeah, right, yeah. right here. This is my man. This is my man. And I, but listen, I've got an idea. I've been thinking and brainstorming. And you know what? I'm a bit of a, I'm a, bit of a revolutionist. I'm a man of, I've got, a, I've got Elon Musk, you can step aside. I've got, I'm a man who likes to take things forward. How about, imagine if we had this uh, thing, like your phone, because it's, it's always kind of don't know where you left it. Imagine if the phone was always in the same place all the time, and it never lost charge. It actually had a cable to it that was always plugged into the wall. And you always knew where it was. And it was there all the time. And you didn't, have to, you didn't have to carry it around. It was just there in your home. Amazing. What an incredible idea that would be, eh? Wow. Or, or, like, I don't know about you. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I need to phone that person. I'm like, but I didn't save their number. I'd go through my phone, and what did I save it as? I can't remember how I met them. Imagine if there was a book that was updated all every year, delivered to your house, and it alphabetically had everybody's names in it in the city, and you're able to find their names and be able to phone them. Genius. Genius, people. No, and my last one is just, I'm just, I, you know, we've got all these, we're we supposed to subscribe to this, net, this, this, the streaming device and that streaming device and pay that subscription and have all these different choices and how many, we do all this, but we spend hours searching. I just don't know what to watch. Imagine if there was a store you could go to and all the latest movies were just there and you could go and actually see the different movie titles that were there and then you could have it and you don't have to keep it. You can actually go and give it back. Guys, come to church for the new, the latest ideas. Let me tell you, let's be honest. Kids these days will never know the joy of what a Friday night looked like going to the DVD store and spending hours. You know, these days, I tell you, where kids are like, uh, where they're just sending a message and fuming that they actually, you know, I've lost signal. I'm like, guys, just give it a second. It's going to the moon and back. Just so relax, people. We've come a long way. Now, all of that is to say that actually I've got, you can follow me on social media for more such incredible hacks for life as well. But actually, I want to tell you today that, that I, what I, I want to title this sermon today is Back to the Future. And no, it's not a 1985 hit movie. I believe it's a sermon title, but more than that, I think it's a, it's a charge from heaven to you and I because we are landing in the next couple of weeks our Exodus series but I want to tell you today, so often we will hear this declaration that God is doing a new thing. And I believe it. I believe God is always doing something new. He's moving us forward. He's got a future for us. But I'm also here to declare to you today that God is doing an old thing. Amen. Amen. God is doing an old thing. And what I'm trying to explain to you, how it makes sense of that in our Exodus series, we find the Israelite nation who've been set free out of Egypt. 
They've been, they've been enslaved for 430 years. God has moved powerfully, set them free. Now they, they, they said, step out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They see God miraculously move and provide for them in the wilderness. And then now they, they come to this place where they're looking over the mountains and the precipice of what God has set them through for. And he says, I've got a purpose for you that you'll worship me, but that you'll enter into your inheritance, the promised land. That you're not just going to be wandering around in the desert, but actually I've got more for you. And we found that the people of God, they were able to move. When God spoke and set them free out of Egypt and said, leave, they left. When he opened the Red Sea, they moved, they moved through it. In the wilderness, they were moving, but they came a place in their journey where they were unable to move any further. They weren't able to quite step over into their future. And I want to say, here's the thing. We've called this series Move Again. And let me be honest, moving is easy in the spiritual. I think it's the again part that is the hard part. It's when you first encounter God, and you're like, God is amazing. God is incredible. He's stripped me of my past, my sin, my shame. I, I believe in Jesus. I want to move into all He has for me. It's incredible. But then you follow Jesus for a number of years. You go to church for a number of years. You're in meetings a number of years, and you hear the, the again part. Trust Him again. Trust you. You got healed, and it's like, it's amazing. But then you got sick again, and now you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can trust Him again. And I want to encourage you that actually I think the sign of maturity is a people are able to trust and move again and again and again and again. Because here's the thing, I really believe that we, where we struggle is where you've been around a while and you get bitter. You've been around a while, you get hurt. The person didn't return your call. They didn't recognize my gift. They betrayed me. They let me down. I praised, I tithed, I served, I gathered, and I didn't quite see the breakthrough that I thought. So we end up settling for some vague form of Christianity that that's believes God, but actually not moving into our future. So what I want to suggest to you today is that I really believe that we are people who are not, who are not called to stay where we are. I believe it. Whether you've been following Jesus for a day or 50 years, the call of God is still the same. Will you hear his call again and move again? move again. So I want to preach this together with you today. I really believe our future is for us to go back to some of the things God has spoken to us because God is doing an old thing with us. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them, let's go back to the future. Come on, tell them that. Tell them, let's go back to the future. Why don't you turn your Bibles, Exodus chapter 19. We are literally, we're in Exodus 40 last week, but like I said, we're going back. Exodus 19, people, we want to Wrap this up with something that's happening right in the middle of the text. Exodus chapter 19. This is as they step out of Egypt. They move through the wilderness and they get to a place called Sinai. And God speaks the future, the destiny, the purpose of why He has saved them, why He's redeemed them, why He's rescued them. He's reminding them, this is why I've done it. And from verse 4, it says this. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is God speaking. He says, you know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you'll be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Here's the wonderful encouragement that we see in those three verses. God's plan for the Israelite nation, the people of God, God's plan. And it's this re reminder, he says, I have saved you for myself. You are mine. I rescued you ultimately purpose for the purpose is for me, that you are redeemed not for someone else, but for me primarily. I saved you for myself, and you are my treasured possession. Secondly, he said, I also saved you for each other. 
I'm going to call you a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm building a family here. There'll be a display for my glory. And that's the third part. He says, I want you to tell this message. He says, I've saved you for the world. This is not something, we're not keeping this small. This is something I'm saving. I've chosen Israel, but to be a light for the nations. So I want to encourage us today. We're going to go back. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're going to shape us today by your word. I thank you that every single heart, whether we are new on this journey, whether we have been around a long time, I thank you, Father God, for a fresh breath of your spirit today to breathe on us the charge to move again, move out of, move out of apathy, move out of sin, move out of, uh, of bitterness, move out of resentment, move through t- tough times, move through relational challenges, move through uh, health challenges, move through financial difficulties. And move into the future that you have established for us. I thank you, Father God. This is not just a word in a vacuum. This is a word in season for us. And he who has ears, let him hear what the Lord is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I told you we're going back. So we've moved back to Exodus 19. Let's rewind a little bit further. Genesis. We're all going to go all the way back because I want to go to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And you'll see a design behind me that will come up. This is the design that I really believe that God, if you want to know what is God doing, God is doing an old thing. This is what God is on about. He is on about a people to grow. And there's three elements. If you want to know, how do I grow? How do I move into my future? I believe these are the age-old tried and tested methods of God for His people. We see them in Genesis, we see them in Exodus 19, we see them all the way through the Bible. But number one, I want to tell you that you and I, if we want to get into our future, we got to go back to intimacy. Intimacy, let me explain what I mean, is that in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, we find God's original design, His original intent for humanity. He creates them, like He says in Exodus 19, He makes man for Himself. He makes man for himself. He says he wants to walk and have fellowship with man in the cool of the day. And we understand this reality. We've said this again and again, but I need to beat into my my heart because I forget and I've struggled to move again into it every time I, I lose my way. That actually God spoke the world into being. He spoke the mountains. He spoke the rivers. He spoke the macro and the micro. But then when he created man... He crafted man out of, with his hands out of the dust of the earth. And it tells us in Scripture that he bent over man and he breathed life into humanity. In a sense, he, he, he breathed and he kissed mankind with his, the breath of his lungs. Everything else you see around you was spoken into existence. But humanity was made out of intimacy. God could have just, like following form, he could have said, and let there be man. And man would have obeyed. But God said, no, I did not just create you to be just this thing that will obey me. I want to be a person that will walk with me and know me and know my nearness, my closeness. We were made for intimacy. We were made out of intimacy. As uh, the, the famous prophets, the killers once said, they said, started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? And I know that we're not talking about our Christianity, but I really believe this, human, this, this relationship with God started with a kiss. But how did it end up like this? Where we are so devoid of this intimate relationship. We know God. We love God. We tip our head, our cap to the man upstairs. And God's saying, no, 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 I created you for me. The, the Greek word is proskuneo. This face-to-face intimacy. That we are made for, for this nearness of God. Like, let that blow your mind, that God wants to have face-to-face intimacy with you. The, the Bible, in, in, when we look at Moses, Moses came and near, drew near to God, and it was said, but he had a veil over his face. 
In Corinthians, we're told that because of Christ, He's removed the veil so that we can have face-to-face intimacy with Him. Close. And, and imagine, if I, imagine that, it's, that all, it's almost awkward a little bit. It's like if you've ever had that moment, you know that people that when you're talking to them, they just, they just seem to follow you. You can't get further enough back. They just, they just invade your space. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And by the, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, buddy. And, and, and thank God for masks because some people struggle with halitosis. The, the actual, there was a, a fact that actually stats have said that visits to the dentist have, have gone shot through the roof in the last couple of months because they realized for the last two years, people working from home thought they didn't have to brush their teeth. Because they said, I don't have to see anybody. But they forgot that actually hygiene is still important for your own walk. Anyway, that's an aside. Brush your teeth, go to the dentist. But you know when you come face to face with someone with bad breath. Now, we, we've encountered this at home. Our little Olivia Grace wakes up and she is the cutest, most precious thing. And she comes in the morning, she creeps into our bed and she comes for a cuddle and she puts her face near ours and then you smell her breath. And she's like, I love you, mom and dad. And you're like, hmm. I love you too, love. And you just are slowly edging your face away. And you know this is it's not the right response. I'm supposed to be face to face with it. But it's like the sort of reality that, like, oh, that's a, that's a bit of a thing. Now, let me tell you, I think we start to realize, we start to have this awkward moment. We think that we are, uh, we've, we've messed up too bad. Or we think we are uh, we, in this relation with God saying, actually, I don't care about your breath. I don't care how far you've begun. I don't care what you smell like. I don't care what you have done. I said, I've designed you for face-to-face intimacy. Do not pull your face away. He, he's, he's, I want us to remind us because we forget that this whole thing was not about primarily your, your financial freedom or your, your relational future. No, it was for Him. He made you for Him to delight in Him. God wants to know you. And I, I want to encourage you, this, this phrase is... Do you love Jesus more than anything else? It's, it's, that's the call. Do you love him more than anything else? More than your reputation? Do you love Jesus more than your influence? More than your achievements? More than your pleasures? More than addictions and distractions? Do you love him more than anything else? Because this is the reality. Your future is going back to Jesus. And it sounds so bizarre to preach that in the church, but I think the church have got so much so confused of what the future looks like. We forget that God is still doing an old thing. He's still reconciling man to himself. And it's not a one-time thing. He's saying, every day will you walk with me. Your future, sir, ma'am, is going back to him. Face to face, bad breath and all, and say, Jesus, I'm leaning in. I'm leaning into your goodness. I'm leaning into who you are because this is what Jesus said. He stands up when he walks onto the scene and he says this, come follow me. Not a, not a, a, a vision statement, not a church, not an organization, not a political thought, not an ideology, not, not some preacher on the internet. No, he says, come follow me. I am building my church. You follow me. And it's this intimate invitation of come and follow me, tuck yourself in behind me and walk with me. Our future is going back to Jesus. Secondly, we see that reality is not just intimacy, it's community. Because on the very first page of the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth and, he, and everything in between. And as he's declaring each day, he goes, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And, it's, and he can sense his delight over creation. But there comes a moment where God, for the first time, declares something in the negative in Scripture. When he says something in the negative for the first time, he says, it is not good. For what? For what? For what? For, for man united supporters. Yeah, that's true, but not, not in the scripture. 
It's, it's not good for X, Y, Z. No, no, no. But he says this. It's not good for man to be alone. And that's where all the single guys should say amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. But I want to tell you, what he was saying there was much bigger than just a relational dynamic between a man and a woman. He was declaring something over humanity that we were not meant to do this life alone. He is saying that actually I have made you for community. I've made you for relationship. And we realize in these last few years that the idol of individualism has almost just been exalted above all others. What I think, what I feel, what I believe, what I, I have done my study, I have watched my 10 YouTube videos, and now I know what is going on. We all joke, but we all do it. <laughs> We've all had, a, we shape our own things about, not what, what we have gone through together, but it's almost like what I have done. What I have seen. You don't know what I have been through. And it's almost like we've exalted the idol of individualism. And I want to tell you that our future lies in going back to community. Going back to relationships. Face-to-face relationships with one another. You see, the, but let me tell you, individualism was not just a problem here in 2020, 2021, 22 with the pandemic. Don't worry. Don't we, at least we, we're, not, we're not that bad. Because there was a problem in the Garden of Eden as well. I will do this and pulled away and she made me do that and, and blame game and pulling away from the community that God established. It was also a problem in the wilderness with our Israelite nation. They fought amongst themselves. They would not go in together. They would not choose the greater good of what God is doing with them. They were fighting for their own individualism. And it's still the problem today. And I, I wanted to challenge you and say, if you haven't had a relational challenge, then you haven't been properly to church. Just a, a good word that. You know, let me tell you, let me take dismiss the like. Church and community is not all kumbaya and these hold hands and sing and go, this is amazing. No, it's really hard. But that's why we need Jesus. But actually, it does, because it's hard doesn't mean it's not good. And this is something we have to understand because actually, I, I, I said years ago as well now, that I've got this, this dream church idea of what, what my dream church would be. And my dream church would be, if I'm honest, a certain style of music, something around from the 90s, 2000s. That's my type of style, if I'm honest. My dream church would be like this deep, reflective, reformed theology. We would sit, I'd sit on a stool and, I, and we wouldn't quite preach. I'd just have a conversation. And that, that would be me because, you know, it fits into the, the way I've been designed. And, and, and we'll just, it just would be just amazing the type of people have intellectual discussions afterwards. And we're all like, oh, yeah, that's one gay. But let's sit and we'd read. Would, that would be my dream church. Can I tell you something? I thank God that he has not given me my dream church. Because let me tell you, church was never my dream. It's his dream. And can I tell you, my dream did not incorporate people called Ori, people called Peter and Violet and their families coming and knitting in from a different nationality and saying, we're going to do life together. Not easy, but they said, we're going to choose it nonetheless. Oh, that's a sign and a wonder for the world. Older, younger, people from different demographics saying, actually, we, we might not all see eye to eye on the same thing, but actually, we, we love Jesus and we believe we want to walk together. Yeah. That people who are married, people who are getting married in a month, people who are divorced, people who are, who are bereaved are saying, actually, everything in me wants to go and be in a silo, but actually, I'm not going to go into a silo. I'm going to trust that God is still doing his old thing. He's still building his church with people who are different. And this is the reality because I tell you, my dream and your dream is too small. We have to sacrifice our dream on the altar because I'm telling you, it will leave you wandering in the wilderness. The Israelites' dream was too small. If only we could go back to Egypt, if only God would provide in this way. God's saying, I've got a land of milk and honey for all of you. 
but they didn't want it. They weren't able to go into their future because they were always going back to their sin instead of going back to the promise of God. And this is, you and I, let me tell you, as I've heard many times, wild preachers on stages and pulpits around the world, YouTube videos will get up and say, God has got a plan for your life. (laughs) And it's true, but not complete, because here it is. God has a plan for your life, and it's in community. Because our individualistic ears go, oh, yes, for me. Pick me. (laughs) Stuff them. Yes, I'm at the front of the queue. Give me my prophetic word. Because here's the thing, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope in the future, amen and amen. Jeremiah wasn't prophesying to you, he was prophesying to a nation. I have plans for the people of God. But we, no, no, that's for me. Stuff them, stuff them, but I'm going doing well. But then you're reading the Bible wrong. And this is the reality. When Jesus, in, in Exodus, when God says to Moses, I'm making you a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And in 1 Peter 2, Peter echoes this and says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Let me tell you, the last time I checked, it is impossible for one person to be a holy nation. Yeah. It's impossible for one person to be a royal priesthood. It's, that's a communal expression. So much so, Jesus says, I am coming back for my bride. He's coming back for you. Yes, he loves you, but he's coming back for you who's been grafted into his bride. That is good theology. We've got to go back to, we have to, I'm telling you today, your future, my future is going back to relationships. Not easy, not natural. But that's why we're not bought into a natural community. This is not the bowls club. This is not the rotary club. All good things. But I'm telling you, the church is a supernatural community where people say, actually, not my will, but yours, God. I'm going to choose that. I'm going to choose forgiveness. I'm going to choose to move again. Because can I tell you, it's hard once you, maybe if you're on the first time you walk in, this is lovely. You've been around a while, you would have been disappointed. Been around a while, they wouldn't have returned your calls. Been around a while, they wouldn't have reciprocated and invited you to their home. Been around a while, you would have got frustrated. You've been hurt. Let me tell you, here's the charge of God. Maturity is moving again. 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 Would you move again? I want to tell you, Jesus said this way. He said, come follow me. Yes, individual, come to me. And this way he said, and I will make you. Now that's so huge because when Jesus says that, that come follow me is to the individual. But in the original language, that you is in the plural. So when he says, come follow me, he says, you, personal responsibility. But he says, here, I will make you communal expression. He says, I will form you and I'll fashion you into a people. Not into just your better self project. No, I'll form you into a people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Our future is going back to relationships. Thirdly and finally, is that word mission. And in Genesis 1, we find out that God creates us, breathes his life into humanity. He says it's not good for man to be alone. And then he declares in Genesis 1.28, if you want to go study that powerful verse, he says that I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to rule and have dominion and subdue the earth. He gives humanity in a sense. He says to him, I've created all of this. I've created you for myself. I've created you for one another. But I'm also giving you a mission. I'm giving you the keys of the car. I want you to take this planet somewhere. He gives us something to do. And this is an incredible thing. This is what Ephesians 3 verse 20 says. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Now, let's just work that through very quickly. The manifold wisdom of God. The plain wisdom of God. The simple wisdom of God is creation. Which blows my mind that that's simple to God. 
God spoke, boom, let there be, and light said, yes, sir, boom, exploded to existence. Simple. Let there be, he says, the, ske- the skeletal system, he says, he a little, little microbiology, he goes, let there be, boom, and they just obeyed the laws of, of biology and just appeared. Simple. The, mu- the, the multifaceted wisdom of God, the complex wisdom of God, it says that angels don't understand fully, that angels long to lean into and see and glimpse, is how God reconciles fallen man with himself. They said that is the complex wisdom of God, that how Jesus, God himself would become incarnate, take on flesh, and then lay his life down for us, and then that, so that we, sinful creatures, would then have the spirit of the eternal God placed inside of us, that we would come alive to his thing, his spirit, and we would be grafted into a people, a bride. That is complex wisdom. That angels saying they don't fully get, they lean and going, what is going on here? And now Jesus, Paul says this, says, now that wisdom, that complex wisdom, is going to be made known through the church. The church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And I love that because it, says, it doesn't say, now through politics we'll reach utopia. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say not now through social clubs, now through your family, now through your business. No, neither does it say, now through the angels. No, it doesn't say, now through this mythical creature called revival. No, it doesn't say, now through an online ministry. Now through some super elite preacher who's got it all, the man of God. is No, it says now through the church. The old, boring, sometimes insipid church that he wants to blow his life upon again. Now I believe in a revival. Yes, I believe in the angelic, the supernatural. I believe in politics that we're not supposed to just put our heads in the sand. That yes, let's strive for that. But can I tell you, that is not our hope. Actually, God has said, I'm building something that is so incredible. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing he died for. It's the only thing he prays for. It's the only thing he's coming back for. His bride. His bride. This is so huge. And this is an amazing thing that actually says, I want to tell you right now that God's plan A for humanity in the, in the doldrums of 2022, where the world is so divided, there's so much chaos, ideologies on the left and the right and the confusion and, the theolo- and people don't know where to turn. God says, my plan is the church. Oh God, but have you seen your church? Have you seen that documentary? Have you seen that scandal? Have you, have you heard about that? God says, now through the church. Yeah. Not a brand name, but the people of God saying, oh, we still believe that this is the vehicle that God's going to use. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Now whether that puts hope in your heart or terrifies you, because when I look around, I look around this room, he goes, now through the church. That's our mandate. Not some other group, not a bigger church, not a smaller church, not a more unique church. Us. That's what God is on about. So much so that Jesus said this. He said, come follow me, individual. Come to me. I will make you. I'll form you into a community of people. And he says, and you'll be fishers of men. He gave them the mission. Redeeming them. That actually, what your, your natural will never suffice. You have to be linked to a supernatural mission. Just looking after your family, just crossing the I's, the dotting the I's, crossing the T's, just trying to make it through. That stuff is all good and, and well. But actually, those things will find their purpose when they're linked to a greater mission. The greatest mission for me is not just to keep my family healthy and happy. It's actually to keep them tethered to God's mission. Because when I'm doing that, that's what they were created for. That's what I'm created for. And that's when we are growing. I tell you, our future is going back to the mission. The mission. His mission. Not our mission, his mission. Our future is going back to it. So I want to land this by being very explicit and clear. With the next diagram, this is how it can work out in my head. 
foyer lounge kitchen. In Zimbabwe, we had homes that were designed with different rooms. We had this, this almost like a greeting room. It was a foyer that you would walk into that was before the lounge. So that's where you would greet people. That's where you would have your discussions with the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's where you would uh, sign for that parcel. That's where you would, you know, people who were visitors but not known to you would come and you engage in there because you want to be hospitable. You want to call them in. You want to connect with them, sign the thing for the package, but then send them back out. The foyer was a place where they'll be able to, it was well decorated. It smelled nice. It was this moment for people to engage with you. But then, if you had, it was the first impression. If you had, if they, you know, if you stayed in the foyer but were never invited into the lounge, then you knew that your relationship was at a kind of certain level. You knew. You knew that you weren't really, there wasn't a connection. If you kept coming to my house and I greet you in the foyer and they said, thanks for coming by, and you're like, oh, awkward. You just knew there was, there was no real relational reality. But then friends would move into the lounge. And the lounge was this beautiful place. It was a beautiful, it was like a family on display. There were pictures and couches and it was lovely and, and it was amazing. When I think about that reality of, of my home in Zimbabwe, that the place, our lounge that hosted life. It, we had people who came because we were a, a Christian home and my parents were incredible, invited people to sit on the couch and they would counsel them and I, I can remember confessions that would happen on our couch. I can remember deep tears that would happen on our couch of racial uh, reconciliation happening on our couch, uh, relational tensions being sorted out on that couch. There was also celebrations around our dining room table and meals and laughter. There was almost like this incredible moments. I also remember moments of deep tragedy that happened and we sat with those families and prayed with them and deep moments of intimacy as we cried out for God to break through. And it's almost like a sense of community in that lounge. But let me tell you about the kitchen. The kitchen was just off the lounge. And our true friends were the only people who would often come to the kitchen. Let me tell you why. Because the true friends are the people who get up after the meal and then help you clean up in the kitchen. Those are the true friends. You know, we all know those friends. They're all like those people. They're the people who actually come early and help you prepare the meal so that you can help foster a sense of community. They see the mess. They see the chaos. And they see that what's happening and they get things ready. We actually had a story of uh, a couple a while ago, Fiona and I, when we first got married. And, um, and we invited a whole group of people around to our house and everyone was there, great evening, lots of dirty plates, and we're washing up. Some friends started washing up, and then the house was clean, and the one couple just sat in the lounge. They didn't get up, didn't help, didn't do anything, and they just sat there. And everyone else left, and we were like, oh, you're not going. Cool. And everyone else had gone. They just were sitting, enjoying the lounge. And we're like, wow. And they, we just, it was, they would not pick up on social cues. I remember telling them, like, oh, ready for bed. And they're like, yeah, cool. And just sat there. And like, oh, wow. <laughs> so juggling for them, trying to entertain, feeling the pressure. But I remember thinking, we were very reluctant to invite them back, if I'm honest. Not because they overstayed, but I'm like, stay as long as you want. But actually, if you're going to stay, be a part of this thing. Yeah. Just actually move forward with us. And anyway, I don't want to stress about that couple too long. But what I, why is that a picture for me? I want to tell you that actually, this is the, the maturity journey that God has got on us on as a community. Yeah. He's got us. Actually, I want to challenge you that actually, if you want to move into your future, don't stay in the foyer for too long. Move into the future, you've got to step into the lounge. You've got to embrace relationships. And, and now, if, if I can be as blunt as this, this is what this reality looks like for us at Life Changes. The next slide, if that's okay, Zander, is this understanding of this is what the foyer is for us. The foyer is a Sunday service. That's why we'll serve as best as we can, that actually we're expecting our city to come on a Sunday. We're expecting new people to come. If you're new today, we were expecting you. 
We have the best coffee in the whole city waiting for you because we want to make sure that you are served, that you feel comfortable, that you enjoyed it, that you feel that it was just an amazing experience. Now, let me tell you, though, I'll be lying to you if I said that Sunday services are it. Because if you're saying, I need to move forward in my relationship with God, and all you do is Sunday services, you're basically standing in the foyer going, this is awesome, I'm greeting people, but I'm not moving forward. Here's my invitation. Would you step into the lounge? The lounge are small groups. And those are the things we call life groups. And these happen around our city on Tuesday, Wednesday nights. And they happen in people's different homes. Now, let me tell you, you'll step into some homes. And they might not be the most amazing groups of people. Most of them are. But some of them might be awkward. Some of them might be in homes that are a bit small. Some of them might have the wrong type of coffee. But actually, we're not worried about that stuff. We're saying, actually, come and join in relationship. Get to know people. Allow the veil of your heart to open a little bit and share some of your hurts and disappointments, but deal with them and move forward and move on to what God has for you because your future's on the, on the back of that. And actually, here's my appeal. Maybe say, yeah, oh, yeah, cool, that's great. I want to tell you, don't sustain the lounge. Join the mission. Yeah. Now, serving teams uh, are what we do, and we believe that serving teams for us are, are also a small Small group. It's a, a group of people that gather every week or every three weeks and serve here at church. Now, let me tell you, is this the full expression of the Christian life? No. But it definitely is the baseline. It definitely is the baseline. It's, it's like a people go, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't have to talk to my family to be a family. No, you don't. I don't have to actually engage with my children at home to be their father. No, I don't have to. But actually, if I want to have a relationship with them and help mature them, I do have to engage with them. And actually, for me, that's the baseline. It's the baseline of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And actually, I believe we can sometimes get so mature or so mature, we say, actually, I've moved on beyond that. When actually, this is what God is doing an old thing. He's saying, will you come to me? Will you be fashioned into a community? It's not easy. It's not, it's not normal. It's supernatural. But actually, it's life on life, relational, just dealing with unforgiveness, dealing with bitterness, dealing with hurt, and say, but I'm still going to keep moving together with the people, with people who might be older than me, younger than me, wiser than me, or more immature than me. But actually, together, we're going to grow. And actually, we're not just going to do that just for a kumbaya session. We're doing it with the mission of God. We want to reach our city with the message of Jesus Christ. We want to tie all that we do to the great call that God has given humanity. And this is what he's doing. So I want to tell you, take your step. Maybe you're already involved in these. Say, God, give me faith that actually this is not just me ticking a box. This is me actually growing. This is me stepping into what God has for me. That actually you're doing an old thing. I'm going back to my future. I want to land with this last scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2. Before we start, Peter starts declaring that we are royal priesthood, chosen people, holy nation, people belonging to God, aliens and strangers to the world. At chapter 2, verse 1, he starts to describe what the people of God, the church, are. And he says, it's almost like this line, he says, he describes us. And I I can imagine if I was in that meeting and and God was downloading, this is what I see my people as. I like, God, if you want to describe me, just use an animal that's impressive. Use an eagle. You know, that's royal and just beautiful. Or or use like an apex predator type. My people are like cheetahs, you know, fast and I don't know, this is my immature imagination. But I'm like, God, that's what I want. I want something impressive. But this is what God says. He says, my people are like stones. Stones. I've, I've been, like, imagine like you're walking. I don't have, never heard anybody walk into a home where there's lots of little stones. And go, Whoa, those are really, really lovely stones. I love the thousands of stones that you got there. They're amazing. No. He says, you are stones. Basically saying you are 
building material. The word says you are living stones. Your life is, you are a living stone. Be encouraged, people. You are a living stone. But what, what is he saying? He says, actually, you are building material. He says, you are living stones being built together into a holy temple for the dwelling of God, for the displays of his glory for the nations. He is building something more than brick and mortar with your lives, my lives. He is building his home for his spirit to fill and for to be a display for his glory. This is what he is doing with your life. I want to tell you, God is building something with your life. He's building a house for his dwelling. He's building something truly supernatural, and he's building us together to show off his glory. I want to encourage you. Would you go back to your future? Back to your future. God is doing an old thing. Why don't you say that one more time with me? God is doing an old thing. As I land, there was a story I was told by a friend, Rory Dyer, many years ago, and he was telling about his army days. And as you can see by my physique, I, I never encountered the army days. But he did, and he said he was in the army, and as they were marching, and they were drilled to a T by the sergeant, and there was just the whole unit was just so sharp. He said, about turn left, and everyone woof, would turn left. And they say, about turn right, and everyone would turn right. But there was one person in the group who was a little bit sh uh, short on hearing. And often when you, would, when you say, about turn left, everyone would turn left. But this person was always a fraction out because they were just hearing the command a little bit too late. And what, what's going on? And they would all turn left, and it would stick out like a sore thumb. And after it went on for a while, the, the sergeant said to the, the, the person who was a, a low on hearing, he said, come, I need you to step in my office. And he knew, he knew this moment had come, and he was like, yep, why, why am I here? He says, you know, you know why you're here? He says, yes, I know, my, my hearing's causing problems, and you, you're going to kick me out. He goes, no, no, I'm not going to kick you out. He says, I've got a new strategy for you. I'm going to take you from the side, and I'm going to place you right in the middle of the army. So that when you hear, when you can't hear my voice, I want you to take your cue off the guy on your left of you. I want you to watch him like a hawk. So when I say left and he turns left, you turn left. And when I say right, you turn right, he turns right. And you'll step into line with where we're all going together. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, actually, I'm struggling to hear God for my future. I'm struggling to get clarity on what God has for me. I've, I've prayed for my business. I've prayed for my family. I've prayed for my emotions. I've prayed for the relationship. I, what has God got for me? I want to tell you, here's your future. Get in the middle of a community and take your cue of other people around you, people, other believers, mature believers, people on the journey, younger believers who are actually stepping out of faith and say, God, I will keep in step with them as they keep in step with you. Get in the middle. Your future is calling. It's time to go back to our future. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray as we land. I believe God is calling us back to himself. He says this, come follow me. Maybe that's for you, that's for me afresh. Will you love Jesus more than anything else? It is the cry of my heart. I, I, I imagine it's the cry of yours, but too often I fall short. Today is a day for you and I to say, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. And I believe that's not just for the first time or the second time. This is for us afresh. The gospel says, come, invitation, come. No, but God, I've run far. I feel I'm so disqualified. Jesus does not even address those. He just says, come to me. Come to me. Come and follow me. He says, and I will make you. I will fashion you. I will form you. Your life feels deformed. Your life feels conformed by the pressures. He says, no, I want to transform you. I want to shape you into a people, into something that's eternal, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
something that was made for the display of my glory and says, and I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. I will give you a purpose that's beyond the nine to five, that's beyond the Monday to Friday, that incorporates that, but that is, is bigger, that's greater, that is actually saying, will you tie all of that to the high call of God? Me, God? Yes, you. Now, through the church, through you, the sons and daughters of the living God, I want to make the manifold wisdom of God known. Can we lift our hands to him as a people? Father, I thank you today. As your word has come, I thank you, Father God. Would you breathe the call again? Move again. Move again. But God, I've been so hurt. God, I had the promises weren't fulfilled. I tried. Move again. Trust me again. Move again. Give again. Move again. Serve again. Move again. Forgive again. Yes, again. Move again. Trust again. Move again. Open the Bible again. Move again. Call that friend again. Move again. Confess again. I've done it three, four times. God, what do they think of me? I don't care. Move again. As we do that, as we do that, thank you, Father. You're saying, I am taking you back to your future. I have not forgotten what I've designed you for. I've not forgotten where I'm taking you. You were made for intimacy. You were made for community. You were made for the mission of God. So I thank you, Father God. Would you stir something by your spirit deep in the recesses of our soul that's beyond head knowledge, beyond rhetoric, beyond sermon, but actually in the spirit. Would spirit give birth to spirit today? We're not trying to put together a well-functioning church here on earth. We're trying to be living stones being built together to a holy nation, a temple for our God. So I thank you, Father God, for my friends. I pray bless them. And as they step out in faith, I thank you, Father God, would your grace meet them there. As they step out in obedience with a small yes on this side of eternity, I thank you for the grace of God to flow and would be like, wow, there was supernatural grace. As I started to give, as I started to serve, as I started to sign up, as I started to confess, as I started to knit in again, I thank you, Father God, the grace of God would flow. And we'll say, I was made for this. Move again, back to the future. As God, you're doing an old thing. You haven't forgotten your plan. And we remind ourselves of it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching and listening. That was an amazing sermon. And we love seeing what God is doing in and through our lives as we move through the book of Exodus. So, if you'd like to find out more or give the rest of the series a watch or listen, head over to our website, follow us on social media, and get connected. We'll see you soon.